0: I'm Carolyn
1: and I'm Tiffany and you're listening to another episode of
0: the Disney download
1: here at the Disney download we'll be discussing the latest Disneyland news along with sharing park tips and tricks
0: plus we'll be sharing our opinions on everything in the Disney universe so
1: get ready to have some fun Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Disney Download. This week, we're continuing our Marvel rewatch, and we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy
0: number two. Yeah, so we're going to start off with our comic book origins. So for this one, it was actually really difficult to find any like comic book origins because James Gunn describes volume two as not really being based on anything from the comics um, and it being mainly an original story. So a lot of the character arcs that happen in it, Um, aren't actually based in any comic book lore obviously the characters are based in the comics like the um, Sovereign and um, all the other characters Ego all play parts in the Guardians comics but they don't actually have a specific storyline they base this one off of which I thought was actually pretty cool.
1: Yeah, so we'll hop into the development of the film. So in May of 2014, Disney CEO Bob Iger said that he felt that the first Guardians of the Galaxy film had really strong franchise potential. He also added that their goal was to create another Avengers type group. And James Gunn, who directed and co-wrote the first film, said that he would like to return for a sequel and that he was contractually obligated to if he was asked in July of 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy co-screenwriter Nicole Perlman confirmed a sequel saying it was going to happen due to the positive internal response to the film first at Disney and that Gunn would write and direct the film. In October, Gunn confirmed that all five original Guardians would return for the sequel, along with other supporting characters as well. In May of 2015, Gunn said that the sequel would feature fewer characters than the first film and that he had planned to introduce two major new characters in the script Mantis and Adam Warlock. Ultimately he decided to remove Warlock due to the film getting too busy with too much going on.
0: Yes and so for the sequel James Gunn wanted it to have a different structure than the first film since one of the reactions people like about Guardians is that it is fresh and different so the second one was going to be fresh and different as well. Um, Gunn actually sent the film two to three months after the first film in the cinematic timeline, because he felt um, the group was very fragile, their egos were fragile at that time. And he didn't think this story could start years later, which um, you can tell based on the progression of Baby Groot.
1: Yeah, so... We're going to share some fun movie facts about the film. So I'll share the first one. Um, Despite appearing as a single shot, the opening ultimately was composed of 11 different visual effect shots. Gunn provided the reference video for Baby Groot's dancing in the sequence. Um, Framestore Animation Supervisor um, Arslan Elver noted that the majority of the opening sequence includes CGI and digital doubles with three uh, moments, Quill falling on the ground, Near Baby Group, Gamora talking to Baby Group, and Drax rolling behind Baby Group, consist, um, consisting of actual photography.
0: Yeah, so. That's really fun. I love that one. Um, this one I learned while watching the bonus features, but James Gun- James Gunn actually writes all of the songs into the script to complement and or contrast what's happening in the film. Um, so when they used Fleetwood Max The Chain um, earlier in the film, it was kind of meant to symbolize that you might think this family is like breaking up, but then when he uses it later in the film, it's uh, supporting the fact that they've all come back together, which I thought was really cool. And then he also plays the film score on set to help the actors convey the correct emotions for the scene or, you know, more emotions, um, which I love because, you know, music's like my thing. So I just love that he, like, focuses so heavily on the music. And you can obviously tell because they play such a big part in these films.
1: Yeah. Um, The next one is that Zoe Saldana um, taught Karen Gillan how to fight. Um, Gillan confessed, Zoe literally teaches me how to fight while we're actually doing it. She'll be like, turn your head like that. You'll strangle someone like that
0: and you'll look really cool. That's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, so the Mary Poppins line was an ad lib. Michael Rucker said they did three or four different ad libs of that um and for the I'm Mary Poppins y'all um James Gunn said that they have some great behind the scenes footage um where they threw everything at the kitchen sink at Michael Rooker and he came up with I'm Mary Poppins y'all and several other variations of it which if you watch the bloopers you can hear um a not safe for work version of that line (laughs) that's really funny (laughs)
1: um the next one is that kevin feige and james gunn talk about creative freedom while making volume two gunn mentioned that he was given complete freedom to do whatever he wanted to do um and there was one thing in the film that he and feige disagreed on neither would reveal what that moment was but feige admitted that he left gun or he left Gunn, keep that particular moment in the final cut of the film
0: hmm. i know i'm like i wonder what that was yeah Um, And then our last fun fact is James Gunn thinks both of the Guardians films are movies about outcasts for outcasts. That's really fun. Yeah.
1: Cool. So we're going to take a quick little break and we'll come back with our movie summary
0: and our thoughts on the film. Welcome back from our little break. So now we get into the fun section where we talk about the movie facts, the movie summary, and then what we actually thought about the film. So Tiff, do you want to kick us off with our movie facts?
1: Yeah. So this movie was released on May 5th of 2017. The film is set in 2014 and it's part of phase three. Um, The films before is
0: Doctor Strange
1: and the film after is Thor Ragnarok.
0: Ragnarok, love that one. We'll talk about that one eventually. Um, so now we get to go into our movie summary, um, if you haven't watched it in a while. Um, so in 2014, Peter Quill, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Baby Groot are renowned as the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and because of this, Aisha, the leader of the Sovereign Race, has the Guardians protect valuable annulax batteries um, from an interdimensional monster in exchange for G- Gamora's estranged sister Nebula, who was caught a attempting to steal the batteries. So Rocket actually steals the batteries for himself, which leads the Sovereign to attack the Guardian's ship with a fleet of drones. Um, These drones are eventually destroyed by a mysterious figure on a ship, and the Guardians crash land on a nearby planet. There, this figure reveals himself as Quill's father, Ego, and invites Quill, Gamora, and Drax to his home planet. Uh, Rocket and group remain on the damaged ship to repair it, as well as guard Nebula. Meanwhile, Aisha hires Yondu,
1: Udanta, and his crew, who have been exiled from the Greater Ravager community because they were child trafficking, to recapture the Guardians. They capture Rocket, but when Yondu hesitates to turn over... Uh, Quill, whom he raised, his assistant Craglin questions his objectivity and his lieutenant Taserface leads a mutiny with help from Nebula. Taserface imprisons Rocket and Yondu aboard the um, latter ship and executes his loyalists by releasing them into space and letting them die. Um, Nebula leaves to find and kill Gamora, whom she blames for the torture inflicted on her by their father, Thanos. Um, While imprisoned Rocket and Yondu bond, um, Groot and Craglin, the latter having never intended to start the mutiny, they free Rocket and Yondu, and they destroy the ship and its crew as they escape, but Taserface warns the Sovereign before he dies. So,
0: at this point, Ego, a godlike celestial that uh, manipulates the matter around his consciousness to form a home planet, explains he protected a projected a humanoid Guys, to travel the universe and discover uh, his purpose, eventually falling in love with Quill's mother, Meredith. Ego tells them he hired Yondu to collect a young Quill after Meredith's death, but the boy was not delivered, and Ego has been searching for him ever since. He then teaches Quill to manipulate his own celestial power and Nebula arrives at Ego's planet and tries to kill Gamora, Um, and after they battle, the pair reach an uneasy alliance when they discover a cavern filled with a bunch of skeletal remains. It's at this point that Ego reveals to Quill that in his travels, he planted seedlings on thousands of worlds that could teleform into new extensions of himself, and they can only be activated by the power of two Celestials. So um, to that end, he impregnated countless women and hired Yondu to collect the children, and he eventually had to kill the ones that failed to access their celestial power. Um, under Ego's influence, Quill helps him activate the seedlings, which begin to consume every world. Uh, but Quill fights back when Ego reveals that he is the one who gave Meredith the brain tumor that killed her, Um as the distraction that she posed to him because he actually liked her a lot.
1: Yeah, so Mantis, um, Ego's a naive empath servant, grows really close to Drax, and she warns him of Ego's whole plan. Gamora and Nebula also learn of the plan as Rocket, Yandi Groot, and Kraglin all arrive. The Reunited Guardians find Ego's brain at the planet's core, and they come under attack from the Sovereign's drones at the same time. Rocket makes a bomb using the stolen Harbulary batteries, um, which Groot plants on his brain. Um, Quill fights Ego with his newfound celestial powers to distract him long enough for the other Guardians and Mantis to escape. The bomb then explodes and kills Ego, and um, it just ruins the whole planet. Quill loses his celestial powers as soon as Ego dies. Um, and Yondu sacrifices himself to save Quill and dies in the vacuum of space. Meanwhile, Quill realizes that the reason Yondu kept him was to spare him from the fate of Ego's other progeny. Having reconciled with Gamora, Nebula still chooses to leave and resume her quest to kill Thanos all by herself. Good luck with that. Um, The Guardians hold a funeral for Yondu, which is attended by Kraglin, and a dozen other ravager ships, um, acknowledging Yondu's sacrifice and accepting him back as a ravager again
0: that's a good scene um so now we are going to talk our post-credit scenes and guardians of the galaxy actually holds the record this volume two holds the record for the most post and mid-credit scenes most of them are just funny things they don't really have to do with anything um but in a series of mid post-credit scenes so the first one is you see Kraglin takes up yondu's telekinetic arrow and control fin and eventually ends up you know, getting Drax somewhere. It looks like his throat, but you know, Drax is fine, so I'm assuming it's not like mortal. Um, but that could mean that Craglin and Guardians Three maybe has the the fin, so that could be kind of cool. Um, then the next one is the Ravager leader. Um, Dakar Ogard reunites with his ex-teammates, kind of a nod to the original Guardians of the Galaxy. That's who they're supposed to be. Um, And another one, we see Groot as a moody teenager, um, kind of in his next phase where we'll see him in Infinity War slash Endgame. Um, then we see Aisha, who has created a new artificial being with whom she plans to destroy the Guardians in a cocoon, naming him Adam. Um, so referencing again, Adam Warlock, maybe setting up things for Guardians 3. Um, I know pre-Infinity War and Endgame, people were speculating that Adam was going to show up there, but obviously we didn't see him. So maybe we'll see him in uh, Volume 3. And then the last one at the very end, the second Stanley cameo in this film, is a group of un Interested watchers abandon their informant, who is Stanley, as he's discussing his experiences on Earth.
1: Yeah, so um, we're going to talk about some of the other things that we see throughout um, some of the other movies or that we might see. Um, So first, you kind of already talked about um, the Adam Warlock cocoon, which I didn't I'd been wondering why, like, we never addressed what Adam was. So it's probably still to come.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of speculation um, because I guess in the comics, Adam Warlock plays very heavily into the Thanos Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So that's why I know there was a lot of speculation, obviously pre Infinity War and Endgame, that he was going to show up and be able to wield the gauntlet because I guess that's something he can do in the comics. Um, But since we haven't seen him, and I actually didn't realize that he was part of James Gunn's initial idea for the story. um, So I definitely think we could see him. In the future of the MCU and maybe especially in Guardians Volume 3.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, the next one we kind of see throughout all the, not all the MCU movies, but you know, the big ones um, Nebula and Gamora's relationship and how it continues to evolve.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to see this more in Infinity War and Endgame. Like, obviously, it's a continuation from their story in um you know volume one and then we'll see how you know things shape up with them in you know the last two avengers films and then i think their relationship and what that looks like with the you know gamora and nebula but from two different time periods uh in volume three is going to be really interesting so we're definitely going to see more of their their relationship
1: yeah definitely um the next one is that we see the guardians bonding in this movie and they'll continue to do so throughout the next few movies as well yeah
0: because you can definitely tell by the time we get to especially end game when like you know yeah. they all aren't there anymore like how that affects rocket and nebula um so obviously their bond grows and they obviously all come back together you know post end game so um that definitely was built a lot in this film rocket being a little jerk all the time you know totally um <laughs> and then the
1: last thing that we kind of see are the Cree coming into different movies and um
0: the Cree purists as well yeah i didn't realize like that's always a line that i like never really like catch like with the Cree, and now obviously mm-hmm. captain marvel and this one is obviously set more in the future than her film was so i'm really interested to see how like maybe those things tie in in like the future films as well because I don't think they're just going to abandon the Kree scroll storyline like I think that's only going to continue to kind of like get more interesting and develop totally yeah yeah. So now before we share our thoughts, we have some fun movie Easter eggs. So as we mentioned in the post credit scene, we can see the cocoon holding Adam Warlock. Uh, this cocoon can also be seen in the Collector's Museum in Volume 1 and also in Thor The Dark World. And if you've ever been to DCA um, in you know Disneyland, then I don't know if it's still there, but I'm pretty sure they had the cocoon there at one point in one of the cages. Mm, that's cool. I never noticed that.
1: Um, the next one is that a fun appearance in the film is that the Grandmaster from Thor Ragnarok can be seen dancing as the credits roll.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. Dancing along. Um, so Starhawk slash uh. I don't know how you say that name. Stakar uh, Ogard and his team of Ravagers were the original team of Guardians from the comics, which I already said earlier. That's probably why that thought was in my head, is because I had it further down in the outline.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, the next one is that when Quill looks through his Zoom that Yandu left, the song that's lined up to play is Father and Son by Cat Stevens, which most likely means that this was the last song Yandu listened to before he came to save Peter. Did you ever have a Zoom? No, I had uh, the I the, the Apple version. You had an iPod shuffle for I... that's what the privileged kids had. <laughs> I had a Zoom.
0: You're calling me privileged? Yeah, more than me I had a Zoom. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's like so funny. You know um. what? I have
1: like a thing like rich people have pantries, poor people have cupboards. I had a cupboard. <laughs> And rich people had iPod shuffles, poor people had zooms. I
0: had a Zoom, so. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like <laughs> I, I like don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> you could read the next one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't stop laughing. It's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Mant- your day. <laughs> oh you know (laughs) so there's just so many thoughts running through my head um mantis was originally a human being in the comics um who acquired her skills by living with the kree again but james gunn decided he preferred star lord being the only human on the team so he changed her to being an alien Mm, that makes sense i also like that
1: um, the next one is that the car Ego is driving is painted metallic blue with orange details, which is the
0: same color scheme as Quill Ship the Milano. I didn't notice that. I think I wrote Me that either. Too, too far in advance of actually watching the movie. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so now we get to talk about our thoughts. So, Tip, what did you like about this movie? Every
1: single thing. Every single like- thing everything but I don't know I don't I don't feel like I even have any dislikes maybe something you say will spark my memory but mm-hmm. I just
0: love this movie it's my favorite it's like your it's, it's like your favorite at mm-hmm. like, if number, someone asked this-
1: me what my favorite movie is I say Guardians 2 it's not even like out of all the movies not just the Marvel movies
0: yeah I like this one a lot too I think I think for me, sometimes the humor is just a bit too much, and I realize that some of the stuff I don't love all the stuff with like ego and that goes on on Ego's planet. Like when I was rewatching the movie this time, like those were the times that I would kind of like zone out or like look at my phone. I'm like, but the second that we got back to like Yondu and Rocket and like Baby Groot, like I really love that part of the storyline. Um, there's just sometimes when they're on Ego's planet that I'm like, this is boring. Mm. I don't like. Like when they're throwing, like I understand why they have to do it all, but it's like, oh, we're gonna throw the ball, or we're gonna have this conversation with Ego and Peter about women. Like I, I don't know yeah. some of that stuff. I, I just felt was like a little. Now that it's like more, but like when you put it up, like to slow. Like the, yeah, it's just a bit slower. Um, and so yeah. when I like when I compared that to like Guardians one, which I really like, that one moves so well. So uh, like for the whole film, um. Like, that's it's really the only thing that I dislike. Like, I love the music. Like, the music is so good. And I love how, like, like we said earlier, James Gunn, like, writes all of the music into the script. And, like, when you kind of know that, you can really see the intentionality, like, when a song is playing um, and how it, you know, influences the scene. Um, Yeah, like, and, like, all the characters are great. Like, it, this one always makes me cry multiple times. Like because it's just so good um but yeah like that's really there's just some of those parts where they're on, they're on ego's planet that I'm like this is just it's just not my favorite part and I like zone out a little bit but that's really the only thing that I dislike about this movie like it's still in my top 10 like it's it's just under guardians volume one like not by like just a smidge like baby yeah. Groot and rocket baby Groot's like the best like I love baby Groot Ugh, I love him.
1: I could see why you would think it's slow, though. I think the humor keeps my attention. Like even when they're having those moments, like when Drax and Mantis are just like sitting there, and he's like, "You look hideous," but that's a oh, good thing. Like that's Yeah, I'm not really laugh.
0: talking about like those moments. It's like the moment where it's like Ego and Peter like throwing the ball. Like yeah or, like, when, like, after Gamora kind of, like, storms out, or he's, like, it's, like, the nighttime scene where he, it's before he takes him and, like, you know, decides to, like, make him a slush deal. It's, like, that moment where it's, like, the song's playing, and it's, like, they just don't understand. Like, it, it's, like, those moments yeah. where it's just kind of the two of them, and, like, there's no, like, hair slow for me. I like, I I know, what I know, the, like, the next beat, like, that's probably why, because it's, like, oh, like, it's, like, cool to kind of, like, build, like, those things, like, for the story. But I'm, like, I, like it's, like, okay, let's just get past it to the next part. Like, I know what's going to happen, like, in this part. Like, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I've seen it a few times. But it's not, like, doesn't make it a bad movie. Like, I definitely don't think that. It's just, like, it's not my favoriteest parts of them. And yeah. I, I also really don't like when they, like, make the people go float in space. Like, that just makes me really sad.
1: Oh, yeah, that makes me itchy.
0: Itchy. Um, yeah. The other part that makes me itchy is
1: when they're like setting up the booby traps for the um whatever they are. I wanted to say Cree, but it's it's not. Whoever oh, the group was. In the,
0: in the forest, the Ravagers. Yeah. The yeah, the Ravagers. Yeah. That
1: whole scene makes me itchy because those people, they just like have a bunch of holes in their face. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, I love that part because it's just all rock. I think it's funny. (laughs) I just like, I'm like, ooh, I got the heebie-jeebies when I watch it i also i like it'd be interesting because i think this movie is one of the movies like when they total up the number of characters that die in a movie like it's a really high number and like the scene like i i love the scene where it's like yondu and rocket like go hog wild on the ravage like the ravager traders and i'm like oh but they're like killing so many people i <laughs> like, know so i always think like what insane. a way to go
1: like i just died by a an
0: arrow like, randomly. Like, like, what? Like, it's, like, I guess that was, was one of the first scenes that James Gunn wrote for the film. Um, and, like, knew that they were going to have in there. Um, but it's just, like, I'm, like, I like that scene. But I'm, like, like but so many people are dying in this scene. I'm, like, I shouldn't like it as much as they do. Yeah. <laughs> well, they
1: make, put the music
0: in there and make you like it. I know. i say that. That's why they do it. They set, like, that stuff to the fun Fun music. Um, Speaking of scenes, do you have any favorite scenes? Yes. Um, My favorite, oh, I don't know. The whole movie is my favorite scene.
1: Um, The (laughs) first scene is like one of my favorites, though, when Baby Groot's like dancing and then Drax looks at him and he's like, stabs. And then when just everything about that scene, like when Drax goes inside the monster and he's like, you have to kill it from the inside. And, uh, (laughs) Yeah, all of that. And I feel like there's
0: another one.
1: I think, oh, and Baby Groot's getting the stuff from the drawer.
0: Yeah, those are two of my favorite scenes as well. Um, And there's that whole opening sequence, like Mr. Blue Sky, anytime it comes on, it's like, just you you have to do the Baby Groot dance. I love it. It's literally, like, it's just it's just a mood um and then obviously the scene where Groot is getting all the stuff I laugh hysterically every time I think my favorite part of that is the the hat part yeah um and and that was when I realized that I'm actually like basically the human embodiment of baby Groot because I was like oh my gosh I have the same like I have the same issue when people wear hats I'm like what are you hiding like are you think it's like oh it's 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 a thing i just i don't understand it really actually annoys me so much um but that's not what this podcast is about um i also really love um the scene with rocket and yandu where they like or yandu's like basically yelling at rocket and rocket gets really like upset and it's like i know cuz i am you boy like mm-hmm. like that's just such a good emotional moment um Oh, also, the scene where Ruck is explaining yes! the bomb know. to <laughs> yeah. Groot. Oh, that scene. It's so funny. Does anyone have any tape? Any? No one has tape. No, no one has tape. Okay, Did cool. You ask like- Ask. <laughs> yeah. No. Like, And then it's like, well, if Groot doesn't hit the death button, we have five minutes. Like, that whole sequence is great. And then I actually really love the whole end too with the Ravagers and them showing up and like that send off to gandu i think is just probably the one with this film too it's just so like visually beautiful like and james gunn was talking about that in the special features like how he really like wanted to set the tone and like make it so distinct and i think that even from guardians one i think it sets this one apart so much because it's so bright it's so colorful like all the settings they end up in egos planet and like they were saying to how when even in the interior of egos planet like there was three different type of like mood like boards depending on what section they were in and how they use like color to differentiate those things and then like there's that end sequence with all the ravengers and like they're shooting off the fireworks into like space like it's just so gorgeous it makes me cry every time um that i watch it like i really love those like emotionally impactful scenes as well in this film. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, where does this fall on your list? We know where it stands on mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, I think Guardians Volume 1 is always in my top five. Um, and this one, I think, is probably like six or seven, I think, is where it's going to end up on the list. Um, it's always up towards the top, um, but it's just kind of those like little things for me. Um that don't have it in my, like, top five, unfortunately. Or beat out Guardians Volume 1. Mm. And it's we know, what it's are your you number doing? one. Yeah. What? I said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why isn't
1: it number one? No. <laughs> it's
0: okay. <laughs> because I love some of the other ones so much more. Like, and it's not that I don't love this one, because I do. I love it a lot. Definitely a lot more than some of the other ones. I say it's just, you know... Yeah, that's fair. It's, up it's, there. Fine. it's fine. There's just other ones that I love more. Um, like we'll talk <laughs> about. Like well, like three of them are still to come on our list. Which when we get there, it's literally going to be what was your favorite scene? The whole film. The whole film my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> Wait, now I'm like blanking on what movie is your number
0: one? It's the ending. Uh, it might be. Um, I still think that one, like, obviously, we'll talk about it when we get there, but it's just because it just finishes it all so well, there's just so many things in it that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think it still is always gonna be the end game, I say. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll talk about the other three when we, we get there, but
1: yeah, yeah. Um, so now we're gonna talk about our marvelous woman of the week, and this week it's gonna be Mantis. So, Carolyn's gonna kick us off.
0: Yeah, so Mantis in the comics is a half Vietnamese, half German daughter to a guy called Gustav Britt. In her childhood, her father leaves her in Vietnam um, at a temple of the alien priests of Pama, and the, these are a sect of Cree. So the Cree believe she might become basically a celestial Madonna and mate with the eldest. Um, Cote, celestial Koti on Earth to become the mother of the celestial messiah Su- Sequoia, um, which is supposed to be the most important being in the universe. So, Mantis was trained by the priest to become a grand mistress of the martial arts, and she can instin- instinctively sense weak points in an opponent. And with her skill, um, she uses those uh, like pressure points to, you know knock people out. Um, She also attained a mastery of meditational disciplines, giving her an unusual amount of control over her body, including automatic functions like heartbeat, bleeding and breathing, as well as an awareness of pain, allowing her to make her more quickly heal injuries uh, through sheer force of will um, and affording almost superhuman reflexes and reactions. Um, She also had psychic empathy, a telepathic power that allowed her to sense the emotions of others. Um, Often in her first appearances, Mantis represents the dragon lady archetype. Um, She is assertive and confident in her powers. um, And she is also highly intelligent with her deductive skills um, rivaling that of vision. So, you know, in the comics, she's, you know, a human which is very different from the, the MCU, mm. where she is an alien who seems to get a lot of her abilities. We haven't actually really seen Mantis fight, so I'm yeah. kind of interested. Like, I would love to see them explore that in the MCU. Like, she's, I like, she more just kind of, like, hops around and does things. And, like, even when you think about um, Infinity War and Endgame, like, she doesn't really fight. Yeah, I can't I picture like, it. I'm- yeah. They're all fighting but I can't picture it. Maybe an end game but yeah I definitely feel like like that would be a really interesting thing for them to explore in the future of the MCU um, and I also like even in this the course of this film like she starts off as like kind of like meek and submissive and then she like starts to find her voice and then obviously she like joins the Guardians. I do feel like she ends up kind of being like you know like the punchline of jokes a lot of times for mm-hmm. her like, naivete Um, but I kind of hope they, like, explore that a little bit more and, like, she gets more of a role in in future films. Yeah, I could see that, too.
1: Yeah, so that just about wraps up Guardians 2. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking about Avengers Age of Ultron, so if you guys want to keep up with us, be sure to watch that one, and we will talk to you all next week.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Disney Download. If you want to stay up to date on all of the park happenings, be sure to follow us on Instagram at TheDizDownload. And if you love The Disney
1: Download, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify, and be sure to leave us a review. We hope you have a magical
0: day, and we'll see you next week for another episode of The Disney Download.